0: All right. So oftentimes when someone um, gets up to speak at a conference or something, you'll hear their credentials on the topic. The, uh, my credentials, why I'm standing in front of you right now is very simple. And that is that I was not present at a staff meeting um, a uh, few weeks ago. And so I was given this assignment. And I don't mind the assignment except for that they told me I had to do this in 10 or 15 minutes. And so we're going to have to go very quickly. Um, this is a topic that, that I'm very interested in. And um, I hope that um, we can all be inspired to exercise in this discipline. Fasting is a topic I don't know. If it's one you're familiar with, I mean, of course you know what it is, but um, it's not something we talk about very often. And in the, where I grew up, I saw it modeled, but I don't know that I received a lot of teaching about it. I've tried to think, I can't recall ever hearing a sermon on the topic. I probably have, I just don't recall it. Um, I looked at our, our GB website and I found four sermons on the topic. Um, and so there is some material out there. But. Um, one of the books that I was looking at, the author mentioned that there he was writing this book around 1980, and he said from about 1860 something to 1954 there was he couldn't find a single book written on the topic, and so this is a topic that um, has kind of fallen out of favor. In the early church, it was um, a very um, something that was practiced very regularly, and so. Some of you probably know, um, if you don't, I want to let you know that Tuesday you're going to have an opportunity to engage in the discipline of fasting. So what is biblical fasting? A simple definition is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. We often hear the word fast used for other things, maybe a social media fast or um, some sort of technology fast. And I think that's an appropriate corollary for fasting. But the uh, scope of our discussion is going to be confined to food. Um, Just looking at the biblical words for fasting, the Hebrew word for fasting means to cover the mouth, um, which is obviously difficult to get food in there. Um, The Greek word means to abstain from food. The Old Testament also often uses the phrase afflicting your soul. Um, we'll look at that briefly in um, Isaiah 58, but also in the, um, the Day of Atonement. You can find that in Leviticus 16 and 23 and Numbers 29. Those are different places where um, the Day of Atonement is referenced. It was a one-day um, feast. I haven't did a lot of study on it, but as I understand it, it was a, just a one-day feast. It's still practiced by um, Jews today, and they, it's a day of fasting, confession, Um, So, afflicting our souls, that could be translated into looking down, brow-beating, or depressing my appetites or desires. So, why should I fast? And I want to go through a few points here, why fasting is important. Number one is that Jesus expects it. I've called this the implied expectation. If you look at Matthew 6, verse 16 Jesus is talking there about prayer, about almsgiving. He also talks about fasting. And his wording is very specific. He says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give alms. He's expecting that his followers would do all of those things. And he goes on, he gives some direction on how to engage in the discipline of fasting without hypocrisy, um, that we would not make a big show about it, um, but that we would go through like our normal life and not highlighting that we are engaging in the discipline. Um, also, in Matthew 9, 15, I believe um, it might have been the followers of John the Baptist that came to Jesus and said, Why do the Pharisees fast? We fast, but your disciples don't fast. I could have it the other way around. Maybe it was the, the Pharisees that were asking that. But um, Jesus said that, that the children cannot fast fast. Um, I don't have it all written down here, but while while the bridegroom is with them, he said, the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. And so those are the days we're in. Uh, The bridegroom has been taken from us, and Jesus um, implies an expectation of fasting. But fasting is not commanded, um, and that's often pointed to by people that, that are not interested in engaging in the discipline of fasting. But I'd like to point out that neither are many of the other disciplines that we hold as essential to a, a disciple's life. Um, there's, I couldn't think of any specific command that we read our Bibles regularly or that we pray. It's certainly encouraged. We have examples. We also have that for fasting. I wanted to share this quote from Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline. He says, There simply are no biblical commands, I'm sorry, there are no biblical laws that command regular fasting. Our freedom in the gospel, however, does not mean license. It means opportunity. Since there are no laws to bind us, we are free to fast on any day. Freedom for the Apostle Paul meant that he was engaged in fastings often. You could find that in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. We should always bear in mind the apostolic counsel. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Galatians 5, verse 13. End of quote. So why should we fast? Jesus expects it. Number two, to practice self-denial. Jesus repeatedly states that if we would be his disciple, we should deny ourselves. And fasting is one of the very practical ways that we can do this. Self-denial is something that doesn't come easy for any one of us. Um, I I remind you, I think of self-denial, I think of Richard Wurmbrand. Some of you may know his story. He spent many years in prison in Romania for his faith. And uh, um, later in his life, he came to America. He was the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, if you're familiar with that organization. And he would go into grocery stores and he would just walk down the aisles and he would look at all these things that he could have, but he was gonna choose not to. Very interesting approach to self-denial. And something that we can, um, fasting is one way we can can, uh, practice self-denial. So another thing is to keep prayer and focus. And this is one that has been um, especially meaningful to me. I'm a part of a group of men that have committed to a weekly fast of some sort for a, um, a need in our church congregation. And this, so when it comes around each week and I'm thinking about what day I'm going to fast, how I'm going to do that, it brings that, those prayer needs to my mind in a way that, that I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think of. I, I, um, I don't know about, about you, Um, but I often find there's a prayer need that's really urgent and pressing, and I pray for it for a while, and then something else comes along, I get out of my routines, and I I forget about that, and several months goes by, I'm like, wow, that's still a pressing need. I haven't been praying about that. So by having a regular practice of fasting, it it, uh, keeps prayer needs in focus. Also, another point is that it reorients my priorities. Philippians 3.19 talks about a people whose God is their belly. Um, so denying our bodies of food is a good reminder of who our God is. Is it our flesh, our bodies, or is it, um, is it the Lord? Job 23 and verse 12, he says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And of course, our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Another point, to humble myself before God, this has um, connotations to afflicting our souls. Um, Psalm 35, verse 13, David said, I humbled or afflicted, it's that same word, um, I humbled my soul with fasting. So as we humble ourselves before God, we're recognizing that our strength comes from Him. And that's when we're fasting, we aren't taking in food, we're relying on God for our strength. It's good to, to remind ourselves of that. And also, I kind of touched on this earlier, but reminding our bodies that they are our servants and not our master. There are tasks in God's kingdom. This is another one. There are tasks in God's kingdom that cannot be accomplished any other way. Jesus told us that in Matthew 17, 21. He says, This kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Jesus was specifically talking about casting out demons, but I wonder, what other, um, what other areas of spiritual power have I not tapped into if I'm not engaged in fasting? Is there, is there a dimension that I'm missing if I do not practice fasting? Another one um, is to free up time and resources for kingdom advancement. I know of um, people that, that use their time that they would spend fasting. Probably many of us do this. Times we would, would spend in meals, we spend that time in prayer, investing in the kingdom. Also, people may take the, the funds that they would have spent on that food, invest that into the kingdom. Um, the last one I had here was to, to reap the rewards for those who fast in a way that is pleasing to Him. And I'd like to look briefly here at Isaiah 58. As, as you start into this passage, there is... Um, some indictments against fasting inappropriately. I'm going to start in verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 8, and I want to read verse 8 through 12. And he's talking about, verse 6 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? And he spells that out a little bit. And he says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer, thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and the darkness be as the and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. So this is from Derek Prince on How to Fast Successfully, a small book I recommend he lists out these 10 specific promises for those who fast according to the will of God that comes right out of this passage. Light, health, righteousness, glory, answered prayer, continual guidance, satisfaction, refreshing, work that endures, and restoration. So many precious promises that God has for us if we engage in this um, discipline. I want to just quickly highlight two Old Testament examples um, that were especially meaningful to me as I think about fasting. And then I'm going to get into just a couple of practical things about fasting. Um, fasting, there's a, a king in the Bible, Ahab, that I believe the Bible says that there was no king that had sold himself out to sin like Ahab. But there was a time where Ahab was, was uh, the prophets brought indictment against Ahab. And he, he humbled himself before God and he... Um, he fasted, and you can find this at 1 Kings 21, 25 through 29, and this terrible wicked man that's uh, Jezebel's husband, but God said, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me as he watched Ahab fasting, and he said, I'm going to, to pro, or, uh, put off the curses I was bringing on Ahab to the next generation. And so um, even a wicked man like Ahab found favor from God when he fasted. Also, fasting for guidance, um, an example of that in Judges 20, verse 18 through 26. This is, um, I believe the context is there was sin in Benjamin and um, the rest of the tribes were attacking Benjamin um, to, to, to purify out the sin that was, was there. I recommend you look this up. But there's a pattern there. They prayed, they said, God, should we go up? And God said, yeah, go up. And they went, and they were defeated, and they came back. And they said, God, should we go up? And they wept. And he said, yeah, go up. And they were defeated. And they came back, and they, they, they fasted, and God said again to go up. And there was victory. And I have just wondered about that pattern. They prayed, they lost, they wept, they lost, they fasted, and they found victory. Is it possible that the fasting made the difference? Okay, so I want to talk a little bit, just briefly, about different kinds of fasts. Um, Go through, let's see, I think you got four here. A normal fast, this is the most common, involves abstaining from all food, but not from water. An example of this is Jesus and the 40 days that he spent. The Bible speaks um, and tells us about his hunger, but it doesn't say anything about his thirst. So many people would believe that his fast... He, he would have taken on water, but not food. That's a normal fast. A partial fast is a limitation of the diet, but not abstention from all food. Uh, Daniel would be an example of this. In Daniel 10, verse 3, he said, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Also, when him and his three friends fasted and had pulse um, instead of the king's meat, as um, a partial fast, just limiting the diet just um, to just the bare necessities. To to survive, an absolute fast is the avoidance of all food and water, food and liquid, even water. Uh, Ezra did that. It says he ate no food, he drank no water. Um, Esther did that. She she called for her maidens to do that for three days. Find that in, in Esther four sixteen, and also the apostle Paul after his conversion on the Damascus road for three days. It says he he ate no um, ate nothing and drank nothing. Yeah, it says it. The fourth one is a supernatural fast. Um, two referenced on that is Moses and Elijah. They went 40 days without food or water. Um, Moses tells us about that in Deuteronomy 9, and Elijah is recorded in 1 Kings 19. So those are some different kinds of fasts that you might engage in. Um, how long? There's a common, couple common one-day fasts. One is a 24-hour fast, and this is what some of you may choose to do on Tuesday. It's skipping two meals. Um, so going from... You can do this different ways, but on Tuesday, there will be breakfast served um, for those that choose to participate in that. But then lunch and supper, well, we don't have lunch served anyway, but supper will not be served that night. And so you would go from for breakfast on Tuesday to breakfast on Wednesday. That would be 24 hours, um, skipping two meals. That's a common way to do a fast. Um, another way is to just go skip three meals. Um, and so you may choose to, to not... Um, eat breakfast on Tuesday, and so you would be going from supper Monday night all the way to breakfast on Wednesday, approximately 36 hours to fast. Um, so those are common ways to fast. Those are, um, for most of us, probably fairly easy to do. I know some people are um, have health conditions. Also, some people, this won't be um, applicable this week, but in your normal work, you may um, have highly physical labor, that may be difficult for you. But for most of us, a one-day fast, either 24-hour or 36 hours, is, is very doable. I want to make a note here. If you plan to launch into an extended fast, I'm talking about more than just a couple days, something for, for multiple days, um, perhaps weeks, do some research and use wisdom. Um, I, I looked at several books, and I want to just list them out here, um, that you may look into if you would like to learn more about this. Um, But all of them had caution about going multiple days um, without preparing and knowing um, how your body will respond. I already mentioned How to Fast Successfully by Derek Prince, Fasting and Neglected Discipline by David R. Smith, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. It's a broader topic on disciplines, but he uh, has a chapter in there on fasting, as well as Celebration of Discipline by Richard J. Foster. Again, just a chapter in his book. How often should we fast? Um, the DDK, an early uh, church or early Christian writing, prescribed two fasts days a week, Wednesdays and Fridays. I believe those would have often been um, the 24-hour fast, the skipping two meals. Um, and John Wesley, uh, many of you are familiar with him, he picked up on that. He would not ordain a minister who did not fast on those two days. Um, I shared that I'm part of a group that's engaged in a weekly fast day. I found that to be a uh, blessing and a good rhythm for me. Um, but if fasting is new to you, perhaps setting a goal of monthly, taking just one day out of a month to engage in fasting, to seek God, to humble yourself, um, to remind yourself who is your God and, um, and wh- who, what are your priorities as I close, I want to give a couple warnings. Um, the importance of motive, and here's a, a couple quotes I wanted to share. To use good things to our own ends is always the sign of false religion. I think it's really important that we recognize when we engage in any discipline that, um, that we're doing it for the right motives um, and not trying to, um, well, that's my next point. It's not a method of forcing God to do our bidding. I really like this quote. Fasting does not change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. Um, Another warning, expect opposition. That's the testimony of my journey in fasting. I believe that Satan knows the power in fasting. He will do all he can to discourage you from engaging in the discipline. And lastly, this is what I, I feel like a lot of us have done, or what I've seen, and what I've been tempted to do. Don't relegate the discipline of fasting for only those times when you are in dire circumstances or facing major life decisions. I do believe that this is a discipline that God would have us to exercise in regularly. And I often see us use it as just like, oh, this is one of those times. We really need, this is serious business, and so now we need to fast. Absolutely. When we're facing opposition or or major um, challenges or we're really needing to seek God's um, direction, those are certainly appropriate times to exercise and fasting. But I believe it's equally appropriate for the most everyday needs and opportunities. And I wonder, how might our personal lives, our families, our churches, and our communities be impacted if we would be willing to deny ourselves and humble ourselves before God with regular fasting. So that's what I had to share. Um, just briefly, specifically about Tuesday, there will be some juice available um, if you want to partake in that. Um, there's different questions people ask sometimes about fasting. It was Can I drink coffee then, or can I drink tea then, or can I... Um, what, what, where is the line? Um, and ultimately, I think that um, we each have to to uh, seek that out with God, um, what, where he would have us draw the line. I think about a phrase, and I believe it's in Romans, and Paul's talking about, not, um, I believe it's in the context, not eating meat, so, um, sacrifice to idols. But he says, happy is the man that... Um, Condemns not himself and the things that he allows. And I just, I, that's a, a great principle for, for all of life. But I think about that in fasting. If we're serious about this, let's, um, let's ask God, how, how can I engage in this? What's a way that I can engage in this that um, I'm not, um, um, not necessarily looking for? What, what all can I get away with and still call it a fast? But um, what would he have me to, to abstain from? Um, during time of fasting, so I think that's all I've got.